0: Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church for worship today. Today is the Sunday that we celebrate as Christ the King Sunday, the last Sunday of our church year, and the season of Advent starts next week. And we'll see especially how Christ is King over all by virtue of his death and resurrection. We'll look at that a little bit more closely in our sermon based on 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The service is outlined for you in your service folder. We'll begin with our opening hymn, number 391, and then continue the very front portion of the Red Hymn on page 38. God bless your worship. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. And also with you. We have come into the presence of God, who created us to love and serve Him as His dear children. But we have disobeyed Him, and deserve only His wrath and punishment. Therefore let us confess our sins to Him, and plead for His mercy. Merciful Father in Heaven, I am altogether sinful
1: from birth godless ways, I have sinned against you, and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus, my Savior, I pray, have mercy on me, according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin, and take away my guilt.
0: God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all your sins. By the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, He has removed your guilt forever. You are His own dear child. May God give you strength to live according to His will. In the peace of this forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. God, now and forever. You may be seated for the reading of God's Word. Our first reading From Ezekiel chapter 34, reading selected verses, God promises to shepherd his flock forever. For this is what the Lord God says, I myself will seek the welfare of my flock and examine them carefully. As a shepherd examines his flock when he is with his sheep that have been scattered, so I will examine my flock and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples, and gather them from the countries, and bring them to their own land. I will shepherd them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys, and in all the settlements of the land. I will pasture them in good pasture, and their grazing land will be on the high mountains of Israel. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and they will pasture on rich pasture on the mountains of Israel." I myself will shepherd my flock, and I myself will let them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, I will bring back the strays, I will bind up the injured, I will strengthen the weak, I will destroy the fat and the strong, and I will shepherd them in justice. Therefore, this is what the Lord God says to them, I myself am going to judge between the fat sheep and the skinny sheep, because you have shoved them with your side and shoulder and knock down all the wheat with your horns until you have scattered them abroad, and I will save my flock so that they will not become plunder anymore. I will judge between one sheep and another. Then I will raise up over them one shepherd, and he will tend them, my servant David. He will tend them, and he will be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will be the prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is the word of our God. We continue with our psalm for today, Psalm 45, as found on page 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 20. The risen Jesus Christ reigns now as King. Paul writes, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came by a man, the resurrection of the dead also is going to come by a man. For as in Adam, they all die, so also in Christ, they all will be made alive but each in his own order, Christ as the first fruits, and then Christ's people at his coming. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has done away with every other ruler and every other authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Death is the last enemy to be done away with. Certainly, he has put all things in subjection under his feet." Now when it says that all things have been put in subjection, obviously, that does not include the One who subjected all things to Him. But, when all things have been subjected to Him, then the Son Himself will also be subjected to the One who subjected all things to Him, in order that God may be all in all. This is the Word of our God. Our theme verse is printed for you there. Alleluia! I am the Alpha and the Omega, the First and the Last, the beginning and the end. Hallelujah. From Matthew chapter 27. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole cohort of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand, knelt in front of him, and mocked him by saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spit on him, took the staff, and hit him repeatedly on his head. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. This is the Gospel of our Lord Jesus. You may be seated for our Hymn of the Day as printed on your bulletin in fellow Of all the crimes that one might commit, very nearly the top of the list would be the crime of treason. The sort of treason that we recognize even today, with that pejorative name Benedict Arnold, who had been quite the general for the Revolutionary Army until he committed treason. The only thing more more foolish than treason would be treason against a good ruler, or a good government. And that is exactly what our history is. The history of people who had been created in the image of God and given absolutely everything. Everything. Yet people who committed treason, who fell for the lie, the deception, the falsehood, that rules, impinge on my freedom, and so therefore I want a different king, the one that I see in the mirror, the one that I see that is me, myself. How foolish. And we see its echo reverberating down through our human race to this very day. The chasing after the illusion of freedom in exchange receiving the slavery of sin and death. Could you blame Adam and Eve? Yeah. God does. Could you blame Adam and Eve? Yes. We bear the blame as well. We who were born in their image, in their likeness, we who know all too well the experience of sin that is separation from God. Because God had created them for life. And the wages of sin is death, not because of some arbitrary decision by God, but simply because. Simply because sin has utter rebellion against the author of life. Sin itself, by its very nature, is death. And sin itself, by its very nature, separates people from God. It's just the natural result. The natural result of treason death. We recognize that. We sang about it. We recognize the, the battle within, the battle against temptation, the, the looming death now that we are one day closer to that open-eyed grave. The recognition that every single person will one day die. Whether In some tragic accident, old age, disease, you name it. The causes are many, but really there is only one cause. Hostility against God. Sin that chooses the treason of rebellion against God. Sin that results in death. And what are we to do? We, traitors who have this heart that still objects to God's law, that still is treasonous against whatever God has to say, even as, even as that new life of faith says, but I love my Lord, and I know what God wants, and I want to do what God wants, and it's the joy and delight of my heart. And even there, even there the traitor speaks up. No, go this way. I began by saying that the crime of treason is very nearly the worst crime that one might commit, at least especially one might say the crime of treason against a good government. And what better ruler could there have been than God? God reiterates that fact in Romans chapter 13 that even treason and rebellion against a bad government has no place for the Christian that the Christian recognizes the authorities that exist have been established by God. The only crime that might surpass the crime of just outright rebellion and treason is the crime of regicide. Oh my goodness. What a terrifying word. The crime of treason that results in a people killing their king. And that is exactly what we have. Jesus, hail King of the Jews, mocking him in words that are more true than they realize. Not just King of the Jews, but King of all. Dear friend, do not feel sorry for Jesus. Because there, when we see in his greatest shame, his greatest apparent shame, the shame of being Clothed and mocked, and struck, and beaten, and crucified, there we, citizens of His kingdom, might might have our hearts go up to Him and say, Oh my goodness, I'm sorry. Oh my goodness, what have I done? And yes, but do not feel sorry for this Jesus. Because the King, Jesus the Christ, used their greatest of sins... Accomplished the most wonderful salvation. Even as they struck him and nailed him to the cross, apparently trying to kill him, which Jesus bowed his head and submitted to death, they thought they had won. C.F.W. Walters' famous hymn, the Easter hymn, says that in Satan's domain, they all shouted and jeered. Because Jesus was dead, whom the evil one feared. And there, there we see our King in His greatest triumph. Because even though His body and soul had separated, and His body was buried that Good Friday before sundown, and even though God, God there lay dead in the grave, Jesus' soul was there in heaven. God preserved that body from decay. And Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, the blood started circulating, the eyes opened, and death was dead. Wow. And there began the greatest party to top all parties. There began the fulfillment of all that God had promised, all the promises of Adam and Eve, of Abraham and Moses, and David. All the promises of Micah and Obadiah, and all the, all the basic everyday teaching that the nameless, faceless Jewish believers of the Old Testament had done for generation after generation, teaching their children as they walked along the road, as they sat down, as they got up, the nameless, faceless teaching had reached its fulfillment there in the face of Christ because even as they struck him with what they thought was the death knell, the sword, the the killing of their king, Jesus took that sword and plunged it through the heart of death itself. In his descent into hell, he walked out of that grave. He said, this does not hold me anymore. In his descent into hell, descending into hell in victory, he declared to devil himself that he was done. And when Jesus went out of that tomb, kicking the door off its hinges and breaking the frame, never to be entered again, leaving there scrawled in blood-red graffiti, Jesus was here. And the door frame to that empty tomb, now painted with his blood, Jesus' promise. Dear friend, death has been broken. Your king is victorious. And every single promise of God's along the way will come true. Look what Paul writes. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came by a man, the resurrection of the dead also is going to come by a man. For as an Adam they all die, so in Christ they will all be made alive. Here, in this paragraph, specifically talking about Christians, that those who have fallen asleep in Christ can find their confidence, their confidence that death is but asleep, in the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That's the way God had had set up their, um, their agricultural year, after all. The time of Passover and Easter, the time of the barley harvest, and they would bring the first fruits, the very first crop off the field, they would bring it to their Lord in confidence that there was more coming. And there is. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ have already joined the party to begin all parties. The party that tops all parties, Because Jesus has won. And you've got to picture this. That even though you and I will walk down through that valley and enter that tomb, that tomb and your life has been painted with the blood of Christ, has been washed in the waters of baptism, and you have been given a new robe so that you will walk out the other side. Death cannot hold you and will not hold you because... Because our Lord died for you and me, the king, for the rebellious traitors, to give you the ticket, the ticket to the party that tops all parties. And you've got to picture this The, the darkness of death. But through the other side, the brightness of a light that never dims or fades, a banquet without end. Maybe pictured as you know a Thanksgiving banquet, maybe as as a wedding reception, a joyful banquet like that, and the, the wedding analogy certainly fits scripturally, you know. You've got a picture walking down through that tomb with Christ your King leading the way, touching the door frame, even as the door is shut upon you one day for a time. It's broken. And it cannot stay shut forever. And that banquet, the party that tops all parties on the other side, you've got your seat. Your seat with your name tag right there, the name tag that God had written before time even began. And seated around you. The people that you've never met, that you haven't met yet, People that you had only heard about in Scripture. People that you never heard about in Scripture. Your loved ones who have gone before you. Your loved ones who will follow along after you. Seated there around the throne of the Lamb, the King who is host at the party that will top all parties. Your seat is there. And Paul goes on. That at the very last minute of this earth's existence, the very last second of Judgment Day, the King, Christ our King, has a couple of more things to do. He will bring back, and He will kill death itself. Hades will have to give up its dead, and they will face their judgment. And then Jesus will take the dead and broken body of death, Holding it up as a gift to his father. Say, Dear friend, dear Christian, this cannot hurt you. This is done. And all things will be placed under his feet. The party favors. Death is the last enemy to be done away with. And Jesus says, The party favors. You've got your garment. You've got your place. You've got your seat. You've got your unending feast that God has spread before you, without cost. But here we are. You've got the invitations, and even even though our King has won, even though we are the victors, we still got time this little blip of time on the timeline of eternity, an invitation that simply says, Dear friend, this is what Christ, your King, has done for you. This is what Christ, your King, has won for you. Here, here in the Gospel, is your invitation to the party that tops all parties, the party where your King, your King who has conquered death, now reigns forever. With all things under His feet, with every bit of danger and worry and distress and doubt and anxiety washed away and forgotten, as you've been given a place at His eternal table, I invite you to um, open your hymnal to hymn number two hundred eighteen. hymn number 218. And as we as we celebrate Christ the King Sunday, it's the, the last peak of the Christian year. We get this final little glimpse of heaven because God knows and wants you to know that your king is won. And that's a good thing to rejoice in. And he knows that you, each of us, have to go back out into that world where it doesn't look like Christ is king, where it looks like the crucified king has lost and all of his power is far and away, so far distant from this life. We're going to conclude today with our soloist seeing the, the verse of hymn number 218, kind of giving us a musical picture of that great banquet, that party that tops all parties. And the only note of explanation that I'll add is on the second page there where it says ultimate adventure. Um, what he's talking about there is Christ's final coming, his ultimate or his final advent. this folder as we join in our confession of faith please rise i will read the part in bold what does scripture lead us to believe teach and confess about the return of Christ we believe that Jesus true God and
1: true man who arose from death and ascended to the right hand of the Father, will come again. He will
0: return visibly in the same way as his disciples saw him
1: go into heaven.
0: In his word, what does Jesus teach us about the timing of his return? We believe that no one can know the exact time of
1: Jesus' return. This knowledge is hidden even from the angels in heaven. Nevertheless, our Lord has given signs to His believers to keep them in constant expectation of His return. He has told them to be alert and to watch so that they will not come upon them unexpectedly.
0: The people of this world believe that their own efforts may preserve this world and prevent its eventual ruin. What do you believe about this world and the world to come? We believe that at Jesus' return,
1: this this present world will come to an end. In keeping with his
0: promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Christ our King continues to build his church through his gospel in word and sacrament. What do you believe that encourages our Christian proclamation today?
1: We believe that when
0: Jesus returns
1: and his voice is heard throughout the earth, all the dead will rise. That is, their souls will be reunited with their bodies. Together with those still living, the resurrected will appear before his throne of judgment. The unbelievers will be condemned to an eternity in hell. Those who by faith have been cleansed in the blood of Christ will be glorified and will
0: live with Jesus forever in the blessed presence of God in heaven. You may be seated as we worship the Lord with our offering. to the response of prayer as printed on page 42, please, God. We pray. Lord God, our maker and preserver, we praise and thank you for all that you give us day after day. We are not of all the mercy of You have given us your precious word to nourish our souls and to protect us from the temptations of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. We thank you for those who teach and preach your saving truth at this place and
1: everywhere. Grant
0: them a rich measure of patience, wisdom, and love. Heavenly Father, we pray that you shield us from every kind of danger, sudden catastrophe, terrors of crime, and the pain of disease. Watch over those who travel by land, sea, and air. Keep our loved ones from whatever perils may threaten them. Kill those who are sick, cheer those who are sad, calm those who are distressed, and comfort all who are old and infirm. Bless our land, our people, and those who hold offices of high trust. Keep our government and schools upright and strong for the advancement of good citizenship and useful vocations, that we may enjoy your gifts of peace, security, and well-being and with us into every nation on earth. Where there are wars, may
1: there be peace. Where there is hatred,
0: let it be healed. Where there is poverty, danger, or disaster, come with your almighty power to help and restore. Lord God, you set up and you depose. We ask your blessing, especially on the country of Zimbabwe, as they receive a new government this week we thank you for relieving their suffering under their former dictator, President, and we ask that you continue to provide for their and ease their suffering, that your gospel may spread, and that your people may come to know you, their true king. Now hear us, Lord, as we bring to our private petitions. <clears throat> We bring these requests before you in the name of Jesus, our Lord, and we ask you to hear us. Take all that we have, our bodies and minds, our time and skills, our ministries and offerings, and use them to your glory. We We give ourselves ourselves to you, that that we may serve you in whatever whatever way pleasing in our sight. Amen. Amen.
1: And we join to pray. Our Father, who art art in in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come.
0: Pour out the Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep us strong in your grace and truth. Protect and comfort us in all temptation. And bestow on us your saving peace through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Brothers and sisters, go in peace, live in harmony with one another, and serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you, The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with His favor and give you His peace. You may be seated for our closing hymn.